All right, folks, welcome back to the AIMP Nashville podcast with your host, myself, Tim Hunzey. I am a huge fan of our guest today. We have the one and only Walker Hayes, and Walker gets honest about how becoming vulnerable changed his career. So glad to have you with us today, my friend. Man, it's good to see you and talk to you, Tim. I'm going to start off with a softball question. Like, I know you you came from uh, from Alabama, Mobile. I, you may not yeah. know, and I grew up in Birmingham. Uh, had a oh, many wow. years. Yep. So Alabama, roll tide. There we go. Roll yep. tide. Got that. But what what really initially made you think like I can do this? There's usually a moment in an artist's life where they go, "I need to do this," because I call it the brokenness. Like all of a sudden, you just can't do anything else. Was there a, yeah. a light bulb moment for you when that happened? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> you know, my, my dad heard me, you know, in Mobile, just, I was engaged to Laney and he heard me noodling around in the living room. Okay. And, you know, Mobile, it's big city, you know, for Alabama, but it's not, it's not really the same with Birmingham, you know, Birmingham's a big old city in Alabama, but not, it's really not big in the whole scheme of things. But, um, you know, I, I would have considered myself small town talented, you know, like my, my dad was like, Hey, you should do this in a, in a bar. And, uh, for everybody listening, you know, especially new students that frightened me to death. I mean, just, just the thought of just me sitting there with a guitar, both being responsible to play and sing at the same time. I mean, I was not, that wasn't something I grew up doing a lot. And, and I answered my dad, I said, Hey, you know, I'm, I could probably play four songs and, and sing the words, you know, all the way through. And he was like, you just do that over and over, you know, just do those over and over. And so he actually called a, uh, this bar manager named Trudy at a place called the yacht club in mobile. And she said, I could play didn't had never heard me in my life. And, um, man, I, it was the worst gig. I, she gave me a couple of Michelob ultras. I think Michelob ultra had just come out <laughs> and, uh, she gave me a couple free ones. And at the end of every song, uh, you know, she would clap to let everybody in the restaurant know, you know, he's done, you know, you guys clap now. And Tim, it was not a, I mean, I was scared, you know, I was scared most of the gig, you know, especially the first time I played through those four songs, but it just was so exhilarating, you know, I mean, I loved it. And, uh, I felt while at the same time feeling very insecure about my voice, my playing, um, remembering the words, uh, I just, it, it felt like jumping out of a plane, you know, and it was such a rush. And I called my fiance, Lainey, I called her on the way home and I said, you want to move to Nashville? And every time I, man, every time I tell that story, um, I know that there's only so many people who can relate to that dumbfounded, just, it didn't make sense. I honestly do. I wasn't even thinking, can I do it? Am I talented enough? does this make sense? All those thoughts were gone. And it was just, I'm going to do this. You know, it's, it's, it was just basically like, 
a friend of mine described hell week for Navy SEALs the other day. And it's like, I just signed up for that. I was like, I'm going to Nashville. I will, I will not leave. I will only leave there dead or with something, you know, to, 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 to show for my time in Nashville. And that's okay. You know? And, um, and I don't know what it, it was like a switch went off and, uh, you know, it's, it's like from then on any naysayers, any mountain, it was just an invitation. You know, it was like, show me, you know, just tell me I won't drop me, do whatever. I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to outlast this town in the ring. So I want to point out to my listeners, like, because I get this a lot, like, you know, you have to have this kind of confidence and not arrogance. And it, there's a there's a fine line between arrogance and confidence. I'm sure you know it. Like, I've crossed it yeah, a few times. But totally. if you don't have that full-on confidence, no one else is going to have it. Like, you have right. to have what, what Walker just said and believe it's almost stupid confidence. Really. Yeah. <laughs> but just to do it. And I, and, and I love that you you know, your experience was little because people are like, there's just different ways people do it, but you just knew something happened. Like you just had to come here. And, and by all rights, by the time you got here, it was fairly quick for you to get that initial record deal. Right. It was like, I yeah. think you mentioned a couple of years <clears throat> or something. Yeah. Yeah. And going, going back to your statement, I love what you just said, of, you know, to your listeners about that confidence and you, you, you that confidence must remain through failure you know you 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 can't you can't get on stage confidently and then flop and then question it that's just a flopping it's just a part of this town you know and um you know like that first gig it wasn't good but i was like it will be you know at some point i will figure that out you know but yeah man i came to nashville my first uh, i got a the first person I met worked for a booking agency, booking speakers, like motivational speakers. So it was crazy. I, I met this guy, had lunch with him. Lo and behold, they were looking for a new agent. And I actually worked there for a year. And then I got fired because I wouldn't get a haircut. And I know I'm talking to the right guy because you got, you're working it right now, but I, the guy, the guy called me in on Monday and he was like, man, I've been asking you to get a haircut, you know, for a couple of weeks. What's the deal? And I was like, man, I'm not, I'm not going to, you know, manscape myself for this business. Like I, I was like, I'm talking on the phone most of the time. So anyway, I got fired and I, I got the, the oddest publishing deal. I, a neighbor two doors down from me, his name was Greg O'Brien. And yeah, I know you know this guy. He was married to Susan Levy, I think, at yes. the time. And she worked for, gosh, maybe Universal or one. She she worked at a label. It was either Universal or Warner's. I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. And anyway, she, anyway, her husband, Greg O'Brien, he gave me a ride to town and he introduced me to Scott Hendricks. David Malloy and Christy DiNapoli and Scott Hendricks and David Malloy both thought, you know, they might cut some sides on me and then shop me around. Christy DiNapoli 
wanted to sign me as a writer. And that, that at that time in my life, that was my passion. And so, you know, and I also needed the paycheck because we were pregnant with our first, (laughs) first child. So I, I went with Christy and he signed me to a publishing deal. So yeah, honestly, you know, you talk about confidence and arrogance at that point in my life, I had had so many people in this town say, man, you're not going to, you're not going to get a pub deal within the next few months. Cause I had just gotten fired. And honestly, I was walking around like, look at that. Bam. You know, uh, you know, I, you know, I just got signed and, um, you know, I felt pretty good about myself, you know, it was really quick. And then I began, you know, to learn how to co- how to write, how to co-write a lot of bad material. Um, but every day, man, just, I was all, you know, including, you know, when I was a booking agent, I've I've started writing songs the minute I got here and I'm not sure I've stopped since. I mean, even today, you know, I wrote with some friends yesterday and this morning, that's one of the greatest feelings is just putting that new song, you know, in, in, in your car and being like, this is great. You know, this is the, this is the jam. touch on that because people come to town and I know you came to town with not as much experience and you're writing and you want to the songwriting obviously you're eight with it so you got that brokenness and you've you've been a non-stop songwriter as long as I've known you but on the artist side you have to try to figure that out you got to find your voice how yeah. how did you struggle there because a lot of times especially if you get that you got the record deal for, within a couple years of your pub deal and I'm sure you got that we need a hit. Like, so you're thinking radio. How did you process that? Because I know you've always been unique. From the very first time I heard you, you're not usually what I call right down the middle mainstream. Right. You've always had a unique perspective. So how did you start finding your voice and all that and deal with that pressure of the label going, we need something for radio? Right. Well, honestly, Tim, I mean, you know this, I never really had the most success I ever had was when I met Shane, which was only, I mean, shoot, I think I met Shane seven years ago, six years ago. And, um, you know, I went, I, I got a record deal after, after Mercury, I wrote for a while, then I got signed by Capitol records and, you know, they had an idea of what was working at the time, you know? And so they, they saw a guy like me and, you know, I think they signed me for, some external reasons, like maybe they like my voice and how I look, maybe we can mold this, you know, into something that's marketable. And I completely look as a, again, as a, I'm 42 now, I've, I've, I get a lot more things than I understood then. And, um, you know, a label is just trying to keep the lights on, you know? And so like you said, and I take that as a compliment, I'm, I've never been able to do down the middle very well. I've given it some shots, some really like my best efforts to thread that needle, you know, to list, to, to pay attention to what's happening and go, how do I mimic this in the best, you know, walker way, um, for lack of a better term. And it, and it it never really got any reactions. What always got me reactions was just being me, which was kind of off the fringe of, 
the box, you know, now that, that, that's never, that's never served me. Like that's never made it easy for me in a town that has a box, you know, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I think typically what happens is there's the box and there's a lot filling it and it kind of sustains this town, this business, but every now and then somebody steps a little outside and that becomes acceptable. Now, and then, and then people begin to chase it, you know, and that box gets a little bit wider, if you will. But man, you know, I, I experimented, you know, and I think a lot of people, you got to do this. Like there's a lot of going backwards to go forwards. You know, you, you, I wrote with a lot of writers who were, they, they meant well, but their encouragement was, man, trim some of that you off and just give them that cookie cutter thing, you know, that will help you. Cause they saw me frustrated. They saw my family growing. They saw me needing to provide for them. And they were like, look, just do the thing, like do the thing that works. And honestly, I had to give that a shot a few times and fail, you know, for me to get through my head to go, you know, I tried, but it didn't work. You know, I listened to them. I, t I took care of it. I wore what they wanted me to wear. I sang like they wanted me to sing. I looked like this and it just, that those things didn't add up. They weren't magical when you put them all together, you know? But, um, you know, I was kind of driven to a point from trying that so many different times where when I met Shane, I began to deconstruct kind of everything I had ever learned. And I was just writing about myself. You know, I had some life under my belt and I began to write about those experiences in a style that I, I wasn't, I didn't even, wasn't even focused on style. I was just writing songs, you know, that, that, that and I was really using music for what I think it's God given purpose was, which is, to express my feeling. It, it is truly the, the best way I know how to unpack what's going on inside me. And so when I met Shane, it just so happens I was kind of on this tear where I was just writing to write. I wasn't writing to feed the kids. I had a job at Costco. Uh, <laughs> I didn't have a label. I didn't have anybody to turn in songs to please. I was just writing for the sole purpose of, you know, like, um, I just was going in and taking this puzzle in my head, putting it on the table and just putting it together every day. And that is what ignited, you know, that's what got Shane on board. He and I actually met at a smoothie King. I don't know if you know this story, but I didn't know that you I, met at a smoothie King. <laughs> yeah. I just left Costco and, you know, Costco was crazy because, all these, these musical execs, you know, that we talk about, they would shop there and we, you know, we would, I would see them face to face, you know, I'd be stocking their strawberries while they're buying them. And it was embarrassing, but I didn't care. You know, I was, I was, I was just trying to pay the bills, you know, at Can the I house, touch on but, that for just a second. I, I don't want to interrupt, but I want to say oh, something yeah. because this is so important. I've worked with a lot of different artists in, in my day and, Look, man, we all get humbled. Like this business is tough. You come in, things happen. And I'm sure you felt that. You had record deals like this is going to work. And then that didn't work out. Right. Then you had another record deal. This is going to work. 
And then you had a wife and kids. Like not all of us. I came like you. I was married. We had a kid right, right. off the bat. So I was hustling because I had a purpose, right? Right. You know, I got a purpose. And and when I lost my first job, that's the most humbling. And that was right after the most success I ever had. And it's very humbling. This business is going to humble you. You better be prepared. So, right? Yeah. And so that's where that confidence and arrogance, but be willing to do what you have to do to do that. And 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 in in your journey, and be don't don't be ashamed. We all had to do certain things, and I find people don't do certain things, and they struggle, and and that's tough. I love the fact that you're open about that, and and it was hard on you. You you admit it. The uh, the songs you've written about that, the uh, uh, Leela Stars, is oh, that yeah. whole that whole moment is is beautiful to me. And that was a moment. I'm going to point out that song. Robert played for me and I'd heard a couple others, but when he played that one, dude, I, I bawled. Like, oh, I, yeah. <laughs> I, I still remember, I think I texted you even. I was like, dude, what is this? Like, yeah. And that's what I'm going to touch on this one because you mentioned this, this thing changed and I call it every artist and writer has a, even writers, if you're a writer listening to this, you have a voice, you have this unique voice in yourself and the business will find it. You'll find it if you keep going at it, but here's what changes it to me. You reach a point where you reach, I call it the effort point. I'll keep it PG 13. Totally. That's a great thing to call it. Yeah. It's the effort where you finally quit trying to do what every, you, you, everybody's got an opinion, but you start listening to yourself. And the big difference I find, and I saw it in you when, when Scott would uh, share it at the uh, rare spark was playing me something. The emotion came out. You said that like you were doing things and writing the right stuff. The craft was there, but all of a sudden I was emotionally attached and you figured right. out how to put the emotion into your song and draw the listener in. A lot of times we right. forget that. You're writing these songs for radio, but somebody needs to listen to them. And all of a right. sudden that came out and that was a game changer for you. And dude, like Halloween and uh, the beer and Stay Sober, like these songs poured out of you, or Beer in the Fridge, it, like those songs just say something. And yeah. you always had like Pants was your first single. You were always clever and unique right. and funny. And then you did those where it just changed a little bit, man. Do, 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 was it, maybe that wasn't intentional. Maybe that was just a process because like you said, you were just writing and this was coming out. Was there any right. intentionality in that or did it just happen? You know, it's, it's a lot of it. Um, and you know, as Tim, like as a, as a song champion, you know, you can really guide an artist by, you know, with your feedback, you know, and Shane and Robert and Scott Sherrod and those people in my life, you know, they saw, you know, they, they saw me, um, they saw my life, you know, they saw me roll up in my Honda with the, with the cups and, and napkins with scribbles all over them and lyrics written on my hand, you know, coming home from Costco and, and they, you know, the baby seat in the back, you know, they, they saw that and I noticed it wasn't really on purpose. You know, I think you kind of, honestly, you kind of stumble into that spillover point and, um, and it's not fun. You know, I don't look back and I'm like, man, it was sure was fun writing beer in the fridge or yeah, it was fun writing Leela's stars because I didn't know how to be a better dad, you know, by either chasing my dream or giving it up. Like, you know, I, I just, that was a parenting problem for me i didn't know how to solve it but you know my the feedback i i i received was this my my people that were around me the scots the shanes the robs 
they listened to those songs. It's almost like they weren't even, it wasn't business anymore. Like when I turned in Leela Stars, they just press rewind. Like they didn't care if it was a record. That was music that met them in their life so much that they just listened. And I also found myself listening to my own music like I'd never done before. You know, I don't usually just sit around and jam Walker Hayes in my house, but like a song like Halloween, it it was where I was in life. And therefore it was a great soundtrack to have on in the car. So I just kind of noticed that the more, the as the vulnerability came, um, so did the actual listeners, you know, and the desire to hear, you know, and, and also that cleverness or whatever, you know, that quirk that you always, I know you, you, you heard me and Fred writing some quirky stuff. <laughs> it came, it came in handy when the emotion, like you said, showed up. Um, and, but man, those were some tough times. I mean, the, the reason I had a job at Costco is a guy at Puckett's man. He came up to me and he wanted my autograph and I, and he said he worked in the tire center. And I remember just the look on his face, you know, he was such a sweet kid and he was like, man, I'm, he knew my stuff. And, and I was like, man, I need a job. I was like, I'll give you, I'll give you my autograph. If you put in a good word for me (laughs) and I could tell, he was rethinking his like, you know, he was like, dang, man, this is, I want to get in this business and this is what's going on right now. Like this, this, this writer that I look up to needs a job at Costco, but you're right. You know, I've seen a lot of people in this business, they take that failure, you know, and they take that shame that they, they, they could possibly face. And instead of, forging through it, they might move sideways. Like I've, I've had a lot of friends who are like, Oh, maybe I should, maybe I shouldn't be a guitar player. Maybe I need to be a tech guy or maybe I'm, you know, maybe I'm not a writer. I just need to be a song guy, you know, and, and it to, to actually succeed, you know, you are going to have to do some embarrassing things. You know, you're going to have to do some things that don't look so cool. You're going to have to get your hands dirty. I mean, Rob, Rob, my manager, he's, He's managing me now and we're all up there, you know, on our high horses right now. But, you know, me and him were carrying merch bins covered in duct tape through the airport and, you know, riding around in like a Kia out west, you know, selling merch out the back of it, you know, it wasn't long ago. I, I love that information. As, as you look back at, at these tough times you've been through and all your trials and tribulations and everything that you've been through, how did you get through that stuff? Uh, you know, in our in our weakness, you know, God God is made perfect. You know, he he, he is um, he is his strength. You know, is flexed. You know, <laughs> in our weakness, and so yeah, that's a great thing. But man. Honestly, I guess the only thing I would mention, you know, to anybody who's like, God, how did you, how did you stay? You know, I had, um, you know, I had Lainey and, you know, my wife and I'll tell you what, man, 
not, you know, I had a lot of friends and, uh, you know, women or men who had spouses who kind of had timers sitting on the table, you know, saying, Hey, we'll give this a shot. But once that thing dings, we're going to make sense. You know, we're going to, we're going to find security. Um, you're going to, you're going to give that up. And boy, I never heard that one time from my wife and dude, it got bad. I mean, there were, you know, there, there were, there were days I had no idea how we were going to make it one more week financially. I didn't know where we were going to get food. You know, we had one car, six kids and not one time did my wife Laney ever say, Hey, you, you want to make a little more sense? Like you want to do some normal stuff? Cause I'm pretty sure you're capable of just doing normal stuff. You know, that, <laughs> And not one time, uh, you know, did she ever, ever once say that. And another thing, Tim, is I had, you know, not to get all sappy, but people like you, you know, in a in an artist songwriter's life, and also Rob, you know, I, I encourage artists don't take don't take those people for granted because they're as crazy as you, and that's good. That's good to have people around you. Who, who are not saying, man, you're insane. This ain't never going to happen. You correct. Why you, you know, get the gist, go home. You know, we got enough of that. It's just this town has a, it's a beautiful place, you know, where, where a lot of us crazies can come here. And it's just really good to be able to lean on people like Laney and you and Rob and even people at the labels, you know, that are just as stupid as we were, you know, one day. Um, and they don't think we're crazy, you know? The AIMP Nashville Pubcast is hosted by yours truly, Tim Hunting. Executive producer, Travis Myatt. Producer, Brandon Harrington. Mixing and editing by Casey Porter. And this has been a Dime Collective production.